Welcome to the bookshelf at the end of the universe. Uh, I am Elliot. My other, I would call him host now. You've been promoted to host. Give him a round of applause. What did I, how did I get promoted to host, co-host? Uh, host. Because you're a good dad and a lot of other stuff. Fair enough. Uh, okay, so what um, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about Coraline by Neil Gaiman. One of my favorite authors. Now I know I know you have a I know you've read some Neil Gaiman. Could you give us a little background on Neil Gaiman and like what he mostly writes? Uh, well, he's so he started um writing comics. Before. I, he wrote Sandman. Some of y'all might be familiar with that. I don't think anybody your age who is listening to this is going to be familiar with Sandman. They shouldn't be because that's not really Well, th- for the adults. Age appropriate. Y'all would recognize Sandman probably. They honestly might not. Um Sandman didn't really get I would say well known. I mean, it was kind of well known when it came out, but not as well known as it is now that there's the Netflix series. Um, but a little background on him. He, um, he is English. Uh, he was born in England. I think he still lives there now. He appeared on two Simpsons episodes. Just. He appeared on two Simpsons episodes I for just what wanted, that's worth. I just wanted to tell you that because I thought it was cool. Speaking um, of that, uh, he appeared on a, a little short part where they had a Coraline parody, sort of. Parody or homage? Uh. Parody. It's one of those triases of horror. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, like I said, he started out with uh, writing comics. Uh, a lot of them, uh, definitely not kid appropriate. Uh, illustrated by the same guy that did Sandman. His name is um, Dave McKean. Uh, very, very cool artist. Um, he did. Uh, and when you're a little bit older, you can read the Batman stuff that he did. Which ones? Uh, Arkham. Something I gotta. I oh, the Arkham ones. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the name of it exactly off the top of my head, but I can't. It's okay. Um, that was a really cool one. I've read that a few times. Um, his his Batman. Batman's really good. That he did. Um, and then eventually he moved into doing um, novels. Uh, the first he wrote, if I remember correctly, was uh, Good Omens with Terry Pratchett, another great author. Um, which also became a show, I think, on... Netflix. I think it's on Netflix. A lot of shows are on maybe, Netflix. Maybe on Amazon. I don't know. If you find it, watch it. It's great. Not kids. Adults listening. Um, anyways, Gaiman has written a lot of really cool stuff, and he's written a lot of really cool stuff that is age-appropriate for our younger listeners. Sometimes, like, one of them is more of a middle grade, but we'll talk about that one later. So... He did, uh, the other ones I've, I've, my understanding is Stardust is supposed to be pretty good for kids and Graveyard Book, which we'll talk about because you're reading that one. Yes. And I thought there was another. Fortunately, The Milk. That one was good. That one is a kid friendly. Mirror Mask was the other one I was thinking of. That one, um, was also adapted into a mini series, I think. Um, that was supposed to be good. Fortunately, The Milk, I've not read. He did an adaptation of Hansel and Gretel, it looks like. So he's done a lot of cool stuff. Um, So Coraline, we're going to talk about um, the story itself, and we're going to talk about the 
adaptation of it. Because so, some they changed a little bit. Right, which we'll we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about how it impacts the story if it impacts the story. Or if it just like a, if it's just a minor detail. Right. So let's start with um, just the story itself. So give give the listeners kind of the general idea of what okay. Coraline is. Coraline in a in a nutshell. Coraline moves to a new house. Family trying to settle in. She finds another door that leads her to another dimension where everybody has buttons on their eyes. And well, there's more to it than that. Yeah. Uh, so she meets her other mother and her other father. And they're, they're sort of like, I would say some kids' dream parents, like eating chocolate cake for dinner, eating candy every day, sort of. Kind of a... Uh, you can have everything you want situation. Yeah. Too good to be true, maybe. Yes, and what? But the thing is, the mother's also some sort of child-eating monster. Mm-hmm. So when you stay with her, she eats your souls. Right, and so that now this isn't a wholly unique story. This this kind of story exists. Uh, and has existed for a long time. I think it's a really cool presentation of it. Um, it sort of reminded me of Hansel and Gretel a little bit. Hansel and Gretel, Alice in Wonderland. Um, a lot of there's a lot of stories of, of you know going into a different dimension, uh, alternate what, reality, or a different dimension, or whatever the case is. Too or, good to be true. Right, everything is really cool or really good, and and check out our flying skateboard. Right. So, uh, Coraline. In the in the book is oh everybody I think mis- about the same age as, as you everybody mispronounces her name by the way right they, they call s- her like Carolyn and Caroline and there's like one guy with a heavy German accent that's like oh Caroline right and so that's okay so that's let's again on the plot so the house that they move into they are not the only ones who live in that house. they have Miss Pink and Miss Forcible who are sort of the retired actors mm-hmm. uh, they also in the movie, they have a collection of dead dogs. Right. Well, we'll get to the movie. Right now, we're going to want to stick with the book. Um, and then, Miss... What was the guy's... What was the other guy's name? I forgot. They only mentioned it, like, a couple... They... Only a couple times. You're talking about the... The, the guy who has a rat circus? Uh, uh, Mr. Bobinski. Oh, yeah, Bobinski. Yeah. Uh, he's sort of... I guess you could say... One of those weird, crazy guys, but he's also not weird and crazy. Mr. Bobinski is kind of a weird character. How do you mean? Like, he's like, I'm training a rat circus, and yeah, and he sort of is. Maybe not weird, but what we would call eccentric, where that's kind of a nicer way of saying it. It's basically that he's... Uh, his, his interests are unique. Uh, a little, uh, off the wild side. Yeah. Um. Like you wouldn't find an everyday I person. I think in the book his right. name is actually Mr. Bobo. I think they refer to him as Mr. Bobinski in the movie. I'm ch- yes, that's, yes. In the book he's Mr. Bobo. In the movie it's Mr. Bobinski. Okay, my so, bad. Sorry. No, no, it's, that's fine. Um, so yeah, so she lives at a house that it's not just her. It's her and these other... Uh, these other people that live there. So she has interactions with them. Um, 
And do you think that they are aware of what's going on? Probably not. Okay. I mean, the mother and father, no. Mr. Bobo, no. Miss Pink and Miss Forcible, a little bit. You think they do? Just a tad bit. Well, okay, so what makes you think that? Well, because they gave Coraline something to find stuff with. Okay. It was a stone with a hole in it. Mm-hmm. It's called an adder stone. Um. So, and then, and that was, so that was Miss Spink gave her the adder stone. Miss Forcible did something as well that I think kind of connects to them having some knowledge of what's going on. Do you remember what she did? Uh, no, I forgot. So she did a tea leaf reading. Oh, yeah! Which is... What, explain well, she, that. She's so sometimes when you you know when how sometimes people drink tea and they have some leftover leaves. Mm-hmm. Some people say they can predict the future by reading those tea leaves. Right now, I I do think you mentioned that you don't think Mister Bobo has a connection to um to what's going on. Oh yeah, okay. But, he sort of he sort of does a little okay. bit. So explain. But not that as as much as Miss Pink and Miss Forcible. So in part of the story, uh, as soon as Coraline got out of the other dimension, you know, I think that's just... Can we just call it the Matrix? No. Okay. We'll call it the other dimension then. That's better. Uh, so as she exits the other dimension, uh, Mr. Bobo comes up and says, Oh, Caroline, the, the rats, they're telling me a message. They're saying that you shouldn't. They're saying, Coraline, you shouldn't go back into that place. But they did say something wrong. I think they were talking about an other person because your name is Caroline, not Coraline. So in in the this is kind of one of those things where the book and the and the movie differ because in the book, and maybe I'm forgetting it how it happened in the movie, but in the book, the the mice come and tell her before she ever goes in. They come and tell her, don't go in there. But in the movie, they t- I think they told her to go in. Yeah, um, because remember in the movie when the rat came up and Coraline started chasing the rat? So, okay, yeah. In the, in, the, in the movie, the mouse leads her to the door and then she goes in. And that's before... Yeah, it looks like it's before. So... That's one of those things. It's a, I think it's a, it's a subtle difference. It's, yeah. It doesn't really change much yeah. in the course of the book or in the, in the course of the film, or between the two, rather. Um, so what I want to do real quick, I marked some pages. And I, I was thinking the other day when I, when I was rereading this that this is something we need to start doing is... Um, marking the pages? Mark, well, not marking. I use these little sticky uh, things. I but tried, marking off parts where there's like a quote that we want to share. I try doing that, but then I feel like everything is important. So I just well, would probably end up sticking everything. That's, it's a good way to learn what is and isn't as important. It's not to say that everything isn't. Everything is important. Yes. But... I'm I'm specifically just highlighting certain passages that I thought were really good or really interesting. He's not actually highlighting the book lovers. No books will harm during the I process do, I of don't, any of this. I do not like to write in books. I, I will just put that out there. I don't like that. Unless it's a textbook, like a school book. That's that's a or, whole different thing. Or if it's like one of those college books they give you. like if That's they a have, textbook, yeah. Well, no. I mean, like sometimes they'll give you a copy of the Iliad and like, find all the important stuff in here. Right, but that's for school purposes. Yeah. For my own reading... If I feel like I need to take notes, I'll take notes on a separate 
journal or a separate piece of paper. I don't like doing it either. In fact, I don't like reading any books that have the highlight and notes on them. I feel like it distracts me. It's, it's very distracting. And I've seen some really, really egregious um, examples of people doing that. Anyway, um, so what, <clears throat> excuse me. one thing I did want to talk about specifically referring to adaptations is the when when you adapt a book to a movie um we've talked about we've, this we have talked about this but i do want to bring it back up in case someone hasn't listened to the, the side that not the side episode the percy jackson episode and a lot of other episodes um when when you do an adaptation from a book you you typically have to cut a lot of things out of the book because they don't translate to film to how yeah. that works is storytelling. And so, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it ends up. Sometimes, in if the you do it right, story. if you do it right, then it hits that sweet spot. It fi- you can still keep the the tone of the story, the message of the story, everything. And I think Coraline did that. It, it. In fact, you told me that you almost thought the movie was better than the book. In some ways, I do think the movie does things better than the book, but I also think that the book does certain things better than the movie. So it's, it's one of those situations it, where you're tied. Balances, yeah, it balances itself out pretty well. So in the book, um. There is a part of the whole, I'm going to back up a little bit here, part of the whole story, part of the whole theme, and let me know if you agree with this, I think comes down to the idea of of being brave and what bravery is. Yes, because, I mean, you would you go and face some sort of spider demon bug mother that tries to eat your souls or would you just run away? Exactly. And I think that, Coraline does a good job of explaining um, that anyone can be brave. I'm brave. If, Sometimes. Most of the time. Right. I think everybody can be. Um, and I think especially if you have a reason to be brave, then... We aren't forcing you to go ahead and right. fight in the apocalypse. Of course not. But Please So the, the specific part I'm, I'm going to talk about here is... Um, it, this is a this is a scene in the book that was completely cut out of the movie. Was it this hornet scene? It was the hornet scene. Do you want to kind of explain? I'll let you since I know you like that scene a lot. So, in in the book, there's a whole kind of sub story flashback where Coraline recalls an incident in which her dad and her were out, and uh, there was a hornet nest, and the hornets started coming at them, and her dad got her out of the way and let the hornet sort of sacrificed s- himself, but yeah. not in the the other way let the hornets sting him instead of stinging her and he got 20 hornet stings Coraline only got one right and so they get home later and she asks him you know were you scared and kind of you know understandably because you know that's a scary situation i think anybody would agree with that i would be scared and uh he said so she said she asked him you know were you scared and um his response, let me find it here. Um, and he said that it wasn't brave of him doing that, just standing there and being stung, said Coraline to the cat. She's talking to the, the black cat that shows up. It, it's also a talking cat. I think that's the cool. same one. Um, it wasn't brave because he wasn't scared. It was the only thing he could do. But going back again to get his glasses when he knew the wasps were there was when he was really scared. That was brave. So... Bravery isn't sacrificing. It's not necessarily sacrificing yourself. It's it's going into a situation that you know you will get hot really. Well, not necessarily hurt. It's going into a situation where you know it can be scary and you know something bad could happen, 
but you do it anyways because you have to or because there's no other choice well which is basically the same as being as having to yeah so i thought that was a really important scene in the book because i think it kind of sets the tone for Coraline later when she's dealing with everything in the other the other house the other world well it could just call it the other dimension so um do you think that what she did was brave without i don't want to spoil anything that happens uh, at the end of the book but do you think that Coraline's actions yes throughout the book are, are brave um can i tell them about the children situation yeah i don't think that's okay so later on in the book she refuses to stay with her mother, mostly because the mother has to sew buttons onto her eyes. Uh, her mother sort of pushes her into a cabinet that's also a portal to sort of a, what I would describe as a torture chamber slash not torture chamber slash misery room. There are ghosts on a bed that are the souls of children she's taken the eyes out of. It can get pretty gross, so pants it gets pretty gross i wouldn't say it's gross it's disturbing uh and that she says like yeah sure i'll help you find your eyeballs no problem well in the movie it's the eyeballs but in the book it's the souls mm-hmm. and she did a very brave thing because she's gonna get hurt she's gonna it's gonna be scary right and but she does it nonetheless she also has to rescue her parents right because the other mother sort of abducted her I guess abducted them, you could say. Well, she put her into a situation where she couldn't, she had no other choice. She did, yeah, she did something that trapped her parent, her real parents. And the only way that Coraline could get them back was going face to face with the other mother. Uh, really fast. Uh, in the book, uh, there was one scene I thought that was, that was missing from the movie that I thought in the movie was important. Okay. When the, when the Coraline asked the other father, do you know where my mother is? And then, well, he, she asked, where's YB? We'll talk about YB mm-hmm. later. And he said, mother didn't like that. Uh, he didn't smile. He had a sad face. And then a piano with hands sort of pulled him under, pull, sort of pulled him into the piano. And then next she saw him, he had like, his mouth sewn into a smile. You're talking about her dad, Coraline's yes. dad. Okay. Oh, the father. That's a good transition because I want to talk about that. In the book, um, the other mother basically you know, forces the other father to... Not spill any secrets. Not spill any secrets, but also to try to help capture Coraline. And you can kind of see that the... That, that there's a resistance in the, in the father. That he didn't like doing that. He didn't want to do that. And... I, I don't think it necessarily speaks to, you know, her real parents, because I think both her real parents do care for her, even though the book kind of talks about in the movie kind of talks about how they were uh, inattentive and, you know, more focused on themselves than on her, especially in a difficult situation. But this goes back to the, the passage we read a minute ago, um, where her, her other father mm-hmm. kind of has her trapped. This is towards the end of the book. and is you can see there's a lot of resistance and, and he doesn't want to do what what the other mothers are kind of making him do. And he says, run, child, leave this place. She wants me to hurt you, to keep you here forever so that you can never finish the game and she will win. She is pushing me so hard to hurt you. I cannot fight her. 
You can, said Coraline. Be brave. So now we see the reverse of what happened earlier, where Coraline had remembered the, the incident with the hornets and her father kind of showing her what bravery was. And now in this other world, she's having to tell him what bravery is, that you have to be brave to stand up to the things that scare you or to the things that you don't want to do because they're, they may be the wrong thing or it may hurt somebody. So I think that's a good way to tie that back uh, to that. Another thing I I think it was in the it was probably in the movie where uh no no it was only in the book where Coraline typed a story. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a funny story. Mm-hmm. There once was a girl named Apple. Apple loved to dance. She danced so much her feet turned to sausages. The end. So the whole uh, this is kind of to to wrap up the the story part of this. The whole kind of crux of the story between the real world and this other world is that in this other world, Coraline can have whatever she wants, right? Yes. And that's kind of the, the lure, the bait that the other mother uses to bring her in. So what, as, as a now 11-year-old, do you think that you would want to live in that kind of world mm. where you can have... It, it, even if there wasn't the situation with the other mother and the set, you know, you have to give up your eyes or whatever the case would be like. Just if there was another world where you could have whatever you want, what do you think? Would that be a world worth living in? I mean, if my mom and my dad's sister, cats, lizard were there, then, oh, heck yeah, I'd go there. Well, but I'm talking about, like, you, you can have any tangible thing, like anything that you... You don't have to worry about saving up money to get it or whether you're allowed to have it or whatever the case may be. Like You can just have anything you want. Uh, it'd probably take me a little bit of convincing, but after a while, I would probably go to the other. It's not really. What would you just. Uh, well, I can't have anything I want, but it wouldn't really be that different. The only things I would really want changed. I can watch anything, play anything. I can read anything. That's it. Okay, so the reason I bring that up, there's I liked this passage a lot. I think this is probably my favorite part of the whole book. Um, again, this is towards the end. I think this is in the last uh, couple of chapters. Um, when the other mother is telling Coraline, she's trying to convince her to stay, and she's saying, you know, you can have whatever you want. I'll give you this and this, and you can have these um, special things. Oh, yeah, Anything the that gloves. you desire. And Coraline, so it says, Coraline sighed. You really don't understand, do you? She said. I don't want whatever I want. Nobody does. Not really. What kind of fun would it be if I just got everything I ever wanted, just like that, and it didn't mean anything? What then? I don't understand, said the whispery voice. That's her, the other mother. Of course you don't understand, she said, raising the stone with a hole into her eye. You're just a bad copy she made of a crazy old man upstairs. So I think that kind of highlights the whole kind of turning not turning point but the the most important thing to me about the story is that idea of having whatever you want because i i have i agree with coral i think if you can have whatever you want it would get really blind it stops having meaning yeah because then you don't have anything to work towards you don't have anything to um to look forward to to earn you know or even with things that you you know that like for parents and kids like the things that we don't want not necessarily want we don't you don't need to watch see hear whatever the case may be because you're too young for it 
it can it can have an effect. So I think that's a really important part of the story is that it's not good to have everything you want because then it stops having any kind of meaning and, and you kind of lose the value of it. So regarding the, the as we said, the, the transition from book to movie, I, I think, and I think you agree that it's handled well. It's yes, balanced well. The movie, well. what's taken out of the book um, for the movie is balanced by the things that they add to it. And you mentioned YB um, as a main character in the movie. What what was his purpose in the movie? YB was there that way Coraline wouldn't just be talking to herself because mm-hmm. no one would want to watch a movie where it's just one sad, lonely girl just talking to herself. Right. It also becomes unbelievable because that's something that books have a lot of is that internal monologue that, you know, kind of when you're, you're the voice in your head when you're, you know, by yourself or whatever, that's hard tra- to translate to screen. And so sometimes they will add a different character to act as like a narrator or another person for the main character to interact with so that you have a reason for them to be saying what they're saying and doing what they're doing. I sort of like YB. I thought YB was a good character. Yeah. I thought it was a good addition. And uh, it makes, I think if you hadn't had him in the film, I don't think the movie would work at all. And another thing, two more things I would say. Uh, these two are very different. One, the I don't remember the Coraline doll being in the book. No, the doll was part of the doll was the part movie. of YB. Right. That's and a honest, that, that yeah. just makes it a little creepier, since I mean you have a the other mother uses that doll to see what's wrong with Coraline's life, and right. honestly, that's sort of creepy. Like you don't want mm-hmm. a button-eyed doll watching you twenty-four-seven, three sixty-five. Right. So. Let's, uh, we need to, we're getting towards the end here. So as far as, um, uh, oh, and Miss Bink and Miss Forceful fought quite a lot. Yes. So how would you, how would you rate this book? If you were to give it a score, like, um, I think we've done our previous scores as like a, a grade, like A through F. It's really good. I'd give it like a, a plus. Okay. I would I would have to agree. I think it's a very well written book. I've I enjoyed reading it quite a lot. As with really everything Neil Gaiman that I've read, I thought it was fantastic. Um, now you are currently reading the Graveyard Book, which is there's three versions of that that we'll talk about when we get there. So there's the the novel, there's the graphic novel, and there's the audiobook. Mm-hmm. And you're doing all three, correct? Mm, I'm doing the audiobook, book, and then graphic. Right. So yeah, so you're doing all three. So we'll talk about the differences between those um, when we get to that episode. So who was your favorite character? In the movie, YB. Okay. In the book, The Other Father. Okay. I like that. Because The Other Father was, you know, like, I don't want to do this, even though she's gonna, you know, even though I'm forced to do it, I don't want to do it. I want, I want liberation. Right. Like, he's he's sort of caught in between two worlds, I guess you could say. He's caught in the other mother and Coraline. Right. So, so there's a conflict there. So he's which... sort of torn. Not really, like, torn in half, but he's like, uh, I don't know which one to do. Yeah. So it creates an interesting conflict. And uh, then YB, him. just because he's YB. Yeah, YB's cool. Who All is right. your favorite, though? Uh, Coraline, for sure. Both movie and, and book. I do like the dad a lot, too. Um, and I like the, oh the cat. 
the cat. Yeah, I liked the cat too, and I liked I liked I mean I liked everybody, but the people who Mr. Yeah. Bobo and and uh, Miss Forcible and Miss Spink. Um, I thought they were really fun. I so. I like how also so in the movie the Miss Spink and Miss Forcible gave Coraline a lot of taffy. Mm-hmm. And then when Coraline had to you know go fetch the eye, this is in the movie. Uh, the Miss Spink and Miss Forcible were made out of taffy. Right. I just thought that was a cool detail. That was a cool little touch. All right, so that's Coraline. And uh, you did remember to renew our uh, intergalactic library IDs, right? It's in the mail. Oh, good. So hopefully that'll come soon. All right, until next time.